they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. I was mentioning that my wife is under the weather, so keep her in your prayers. And I also mentioned that this is a special edition of the Bible with the Barbers. I'm going to be talking with Bishop Athanasius Snyder through his book that he wrote, Christ Triumphs Over the Darkness of the Age, because Bishop Athanasius is a member of the Opus Angelorum, which is the work of the Holy Angels. Some people didn't realize that. And so he has a Q&A question on the angels that I think are going to really impress you. Now, the charism of the Opus Angelorum is, is basically the cross which the angels adore. Jesus. Oh, I thought someone would say, okay. So he received holy orders in 1990, and he has been a bishop in a, in a, Europe, in a um, former Soviet Union. And this is an amazing, arch, amazing bishop, so I want to encourage you to get his book, but He's going to ask, there's questions in his book about like the role of angels. So here's what he has to say. And I think this is really important because as I say all the time, the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. So what is the role of guardian angels? The holy angels are our companions and our examples in adoring the Lord. How many times have people told you that? Yes. Every time you go to mass, ask the angels to help you adore Jesus in the Eucharist by giving him honor and adoring the Holy Eucharist. They are our best companions on our path to heaven. See, that's his job, to get you to heaven. In a sense, virgin most powerful is like a guardian angel, because that's our role, to help you get to heaven. They, they will be our companions for all eternity, loving and worshiping God, as here comes in the scriptures, the book of Revelation shows us, Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 to 13. Now, the angels are very expressive work of God's creativity. And we're going to quote St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor. He says, each angel is a different species. Now, he will explain what that is. As you rightly note, they are incorporeal. In other words, they don't have bodies. They have pure intellectual and they're creatures. They belong to the invisible world. Now, the angels, by their very existence present a very powerful appeal to the church to turn towards eternity. Do you see why the unemployment rate has been so slow for guardian angels? Because we forgot about this life is just short. Eternity is where we're going. So we want to turn towards eternity, towards the invisible world that awaits us. Here on earth, we already anticipated eternal life in the new Jerusalem. There will be one community composed of men and angels. Wow. See how this is so important? What was the last time you were taught this? Not too long ago, I hope. One family of God made up of all those who belong to Christ and his mystical body. Here comes St. Thomas Aquinas says, It is manifest that both men and angels are ordained to be one in, which is the glory of divine fruition. Get to heaven! Hence, the mystical body of the church consists not only of men, but of angels. This is taken right from the Summa Theologica of St. Thomas. So we ought to begin now to practice and live this reality here on earth. 
That's what the bishop is telling us to do. Act like you know you have a guardian angel. How many people are walking around today and they never talk? They never ask their guardian angel for help. I hope more people will start doing that. We ought to begin now to practice and live this reality here on earth by consciously praying, working, and fighting for Christ together with our heavenly brothers and companions, the holy angels. Put them to work. The unemployment rate's too high, right? Now, in ancient times, this is something you might not know because I wasn't around in ancient times. Before the Second Vatican Council, the reality of the guardian angel was stressed a lot more. Just how it worked. Because I think for the last 50 years, we've been kind of going on the natural, not the supernatural. Well, then that means angels have to take a side out. Well, no. After the council, there was this diminished veneration of the holy angels and uh, of the... uh, of, of the supernatural. So the church has tended towards naturalism. That's been one of the problems right now. We we look at the church as just being a like an institution. No, it's the bride of Christ. And so devotion to your guardian angel is therefore a very powerful means of turning again towards the supernatural, leaving behind this naturalistic tendency for the sake of the life of grace and of becoming aware that God has given every man and woman a personal brother, his guardian angel. Each of the baptized have a unique guardian angel who has never served as a guardian angel to anyone else. Did you know that? God is so lavish with his gifts that he chose an angel from all eternity to be only once the guardian angel for a specific person. You! even if this person lives for only one instance here on earth, and he will not be a guardian angel of another. That's because God loves you so much that if God stopped thinking about you, you'd cease to exist. Here's the next question for Bishop Athanasius. Does every child who's conceived have a guardian angel? Bishop Athanasius says, Already at conception, God creates the soul, and thus a human person comes into being. The human person has a guardian angel who protects him in the mother's womb and prays for him. This could be very consoling. How many mothers, my wife has that, who have had miscarriages. Lots of women have had miscarriages. We do not know what happened to the soul of the unbaptized babies, but for a mother to know that there was an angel praying for the child in her womb could be very consoling. Absolutely. Now, here's the next question. Do non-Christians have guardian angels? You're going to learn a lot today. I'm telling you about angels. Yes, the archbishop says, or the bishop says, but the guardian angel enters into a special relationship with the human soul through baptism. Because in Christ, angels and men are more closely united. As St. Paul says, get your Bible out. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Let us remember and keep firmly in mind my guardian angel was given only for me, and he's a very powerful spiritual being who is always in the presence of God, who has remained faithful to God during the trial of the angels when some of his brother angels apostatized with who? With Lucifer, Satan. That's what's gone on. Okay, next question to the arch, to the bishop. To clarify then, 
God does not create an angel every time he creates the soul of a new baby. No, the entire angelic world was created in one instant in the beginning of creation. Then there came the trial. The angels had to accept God freely with profound, you know what it is? Humility. We need humility too. The sin of the first among the angels, who is the tradition is called Lucifer, consisted in his will to be like God, but without God. And as St. Thomas Aquinas explains, the devil desired a resemblance with God by desiring as his last end of beatitude something which he could attain by the virtue of his own nature, turning his appetite away from the supernatural beatitudes which is attained by God's grace. Now, what is God's grace? The life of God in us, right? Or, if he desired at his last end the likeness of God which is bestowed by grace, he sought to have it by the power of his own nature and not from divine assistance according to God's ordering. All that was taken from the Summa. You see, you're becoming a Thomist now because you're learning about what St. Thomas has to say. And remember, with this act of pride from Lucifer, he influenced and drew him as part of the angelic world. According to St. Thomas Aquinas, the greater part of the angelic world remained faithful to God. We say two-thirds. More angels stood firm than sinned because sin is contrary to the natural inclination, while which is against the natural order happens with less frequency. For nature procures its effects either away always or more often than not. Again, this is taken right from the Summa Theologica, St. Thomas. An image of this may be given to us in the Apocalypse when we read the tail of the dragon swept away a third of the stars. That's where we get that third. That's Revelation 12, verse 4, for your Bible scholars. In some traditions, the word stars is also an indication of angels. Isn't that interesting? So one can suppose that probably one-third of the angelic world apostatized. Never heard it that way, have you? But it's true. They left Christ. They left God. Some have proposed, here's this question, <clears throat> that angels were shown in the incarnation in advance and that the refusal to accept and adore the God-man precipitated their fall. Now, that's one of the, that's what the, Dominic, the, the um, Dominicans believe. So many theologians have conjectured that the mystery of divine incarnation was revealed to the angels and that they saw that a nature, nature lower than their own was to be the hypostatic union with the persons of God and the Son of God. And all that hierarchy of heaven must bow in adoration before the majesty of the incarnate word and thus is supposed occasion the pride of Lucifer. So in other words, he didn't like that. However, it remains a mystery. It's very probable that God revealed to them the mystery of the incarnation in order that they may bow down and serve the incarnate God. That's probably what happened. They don't want to have to serve God becoming man. Give me a break. A lot of the angels didn't like that. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the Bible and what it has to say about your guardian angel and angels itself. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. We'll be back with much more.
This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, VMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoramus Society. Adoramus at the Triduum, a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies, featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Carstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, the spirituality of Good Friday, and the spirituality of the Paschal Vigil and Easter season. It all takes place March 14, 2020, at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can register online at vmpr.org or call now at 877-526-2151 to reserve your seat today for Adoramus at the Triduum. Sirach 1124 says, Do not say I am self-sufficient. What harm can come to me now? According to St. Catherine of Siena, presumption is like vermin burrowing at the root of the tree of our soul. If we do not uproot it with great care and humility, it will eventually destroy the soul. May God keep us from all presumption of mind and heart and realize that we depend on Him for everything. selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. My wife, Mary Danielle, is under the weather. She's sick, so please pray for her. She'll be back next Tuesday. So I'm, I'm pinch hitting for her. And we've been talking about the guardian angels and angels in the Bible. And I'm taking lots of this from Bishop Athanasius' latest book, and he is a member of the Opus Angelorum, for those who just tuned in. And the question came about why uh, a third of the angels fell. And what a lot of theologians have said that it's because of God because of God becoming man. They couldn't handle that. They had to accept serving God not only in his majesty, but veiled and hidden form as a future incarnate God-man. To this, the first angel said, No! I will not do this. <laughs> I will not serve. What does that sound familiar today in our culture? I will not serve. I will not serve and bow down beneath my dignity to serve a man. Wow. I want to be like God. The famous German uh, scholar uh, Schieben said in 1888 that the connection between the mystery of the incarnation and the fall of the angels gives us a plausible and probably explanation for the intensity which the devil hates Christ, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the human race. In this sense, we can 
also understand the words of our Lord. Remember what our Lord said about the devil? I'll take it right from John 8, 44. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, and he stood not in the truth, because truth is not in him. That's what the Bible says. Now, in the weakness of our intellect and will, do we not all the, do we not all have the consequences of the ramifications of our actions? Is it not so with the angels? It is. Is it? Well, with the angels, they expressed their will. It was forever. Isn't that interesting? We, can, we have choice, right? We have free will. We can change our mind when we're on the planet here. Can't change it after death. With their intellect, they saw all the consequences and accepted this. Tradition holds that pride was so powerful in Lucifer and his followers that they preferred the eagle. Yeah, it sounds like our culture. I am, says Lucifer. And then in the midst of the trial, one of the lowest angels, St. Michael, who belonged to the choir, said, Who is like God? And with this humble word, St. Michael threw down Lucifer and all of his followers from heaven into the abyss, meaning hell. Now, check this out. Bishop Athanasius' point is that my guardian angel and every guardian angel remains faithful to God in this trial and accepted Christ in the spirit of humility and of service. See, that's what we're supposed to do, folks. Therefore, since then, the most fervent desire of every angel is one day to become a humble servant guardian angel of a human being. Every angel ardently desires this. The career ambition of every angel is to bow down. His dream career is to be little, to descend, and not to ascend like men in this career ambition. Think about the angels in Fatima teaching the little kids how to worship Jesus in the Eucharist. They knelt down. Now, we humans, being with the wounds of original sin, remember we talked about original sin in the Bible, includes what? Pride, desire to pursue a career, to be highly positioned, look at me, you know. Unfortunately, in some way, this could be called original sin of the clergy. Wow, Bishop Athanasius is, is really putting his thumb on something in the problems of the church right now. And the clergy, they need to be humble, right? They desire in their career to move down. So when a priest wants to be a bishop, that's a sure sign that he shouldn't be a bishop. So, for example, when the cherubim becomes a guardian angel for a limited time during the life of that person, he descends from the second chair down to the ninth. He is stripped, reduced to the dignity of the lowest choir. And this is his deepest desire to, low, to imitate Christ his Lord, to be servant. Therefore, the ambition of every angel is to be one day a guardian angel, to experience the lowness of his last angelic order in humble and patient service to, to human persons. Then, when he finishes his service to the guardian angel, he, requ he returns to his choir. Isn't that beautiful? See how you get the big picture on the angels? Here's the question. Is the guardian angel's mission temporary then? Well, in some way, it is not temporary. Because once the person entrusted to him reaches heaven, 
they will together be for all eternity. I bet you haven't thought of that one for a while, have you? This is why it's so important to understand angelology. They will praise God together as brothers. Isn't that beautiful? In heaven, we will know the name and see the personality of our own guardian angel. But many saints have already saw the personality of their guardian angel and even gave a name to him. If friends give nicknames to each other, when I love my guardian angel, why can't I give him a name? To be clear, this is only for private spiritual life and not to be spread publicly. We're going to talk why you don't want to be naming your guardian angel. According to some theologian authors, including scholastics such as St. Bonaventure, the guardian angel will accompany the souls into purgatory. Did you know that? As well, to help the soul through this difficult purification. This is also depicted in Dante's Divine Comedy. Now, you probably have heard this if you haven't. Didn't the Vatican prohibit the naming of angels some years ago? Yes, we've covered that in past shows. And this was the problem faced by the Opus Angelorum. I remember this happening. Mother Gabriel Belerch wrote down some angels with names which she saw and experienced. Some names were similar to Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, ending in L in the biblical manner. The use of angelic names beyond the three biblical names, are you ready, is prohibited by the Holy See. This was done in the 1990s, I remember. This was the central issue in the examination of the writings of Mother Gabriel, which the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith carried out in 1984 and in 1992, I was there when it happened. I, uh, you know, I understood the concern because it was a very detailed presentation of the angelic world. Such a description is not wrong in itself because the Bible gives us the names of the angels. And we know, check this out. Yeah, I didn't know this, but the Byzantine Orthodox Church and the Greek Catholic Church celebrates on November 8th uh, the uh, heavenly hosts of angels, archangels, Michael, and other heavenly bodies and powers, venerating thereby the seven archangels and their names. And not only three archangels, because in the Bible, St. Raphael says to Tobit, I am not, I am one of the seven holy angels who present the prayers of the saints and enter into the presence of the glory of the Holy One. Now, that's Tobit chapter 12, verse 15. Now, from Holy Scripture, we know only the names Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. But seven are mentioned, so they must logically be four other names. Check this out, everybody. The Eastern Orthodox Church and the Eastern Catholic Churches of the Byzantine tradition venerate seven archangels and sometimes eight. So the Melkites who worship here at our chapel, they are part of that. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Uriel, Seraphim, and others. Now, in the Coptic Orthodox tradition, the seven angels are named Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Cyril, Azaleo, Sikarith, uh, and Anathel. The Holy See always recognizes the liturgical feast of the seven angels, archangels with the explicit seven names which are mentioned during 
the liturgies. Isn't this, this is more than you've ever had on angelology, isn't it? Well, hang on, I'm not done yet. In Manila, in the Philippines, I know a priest that went there, there's a shrine in honor of the seven archangels with the seven angelic names written under the statue surrounding the main altar. Now, this shrine has an old tradition and received approval from the Holy See. There are also old churches in Mexico. I know a priest who went down there to this shrine where seven angels with their seven names. Now, here's a good question. Should one ask one's guardian angel for his name? Or could opening could you be opening oneself in the way to spiritual world to be dangerous? It is dangerous to ask for the name. You can give your guardian angel a name if you choose. This is your personal affair. You should not publish this in the newspapers or preach about it. In themselves, the names of the angels do not constitute a doctrinal problem. It is prudential problems. Remember being prudent, that word prudential. The angelic names in the writings of Mother Gabriel <clears throat> were too extensive. Therefore, the Holy See forbid the use of them. And we all understand that. See the authority of the Holy See? The main intention of the Opus Angelorum, and I want to encourage you to look them up and get yourself prepared to make your consecration to your angel, is surely not centered on the names of angels which pertain more to a personal, personal, mystical experience. The main intention is to make people aware of the existence and presence of the guardian angels and of other angels as brothers and co-worshippers or co-fighters in adoring God and fighting for Christ and the spiritual battle, which is increasing in our day. Boy, is it increasing, Bishop Athanasius. Wow. God gives particular charisms needed for each age. You know what the charism right now for all of us is? Perseverance. <laughs> when you get knocked down, I only have one question. Did you get up? As Bishop Athanasius says, we are in a spiritual battle of the magnitude rarely seen in history. It's on your watch. We're living through it, folks. Put your guardian angel to work. God sends us the assistance of holy angels to combat the evil spirits. This is really the essence of the Opus Angelorum, what we call the work of the holy angels. Only this and nothing more. See, that's why I want to encourage our listeners to go online to the Opus Angelorum's website and start preparing yourself to make your consecration to your guardian angel. They'll send you such wonderful works in a sense of, of a a worksheet and formation letters. It's incredibly important because I got to say this, in the world we live in right now, you're not going to make it on being alone. You need your guardian angel to help you get to heaven, especially in these trying times. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle, my wife is sick. I'm on alone with my guardian angel, so I'm not alone. And I'm talking about the Bible and angels. And I hope you're learning as much as I am from Bishop Athanasius Snyder's new book, a section on guardian angels. We'll be back with much more to inspire you to get closer to Jesus and his church.
this is Terry Barber and Myra Brown is with me. Myra, welcome. Hi, Terry. I am so happy to be here with you today because I am up to something that I think you'll find very interesting. Tell me, what is it, Myra? Well, I want to give away a DVD, your famous three-hour talk about how to share your faith with everyone. And do you know how I'm going to do it? Tell me. Well, me and my friend Annie Joe are calling everybody to talk about monthly donations because that is how we keep this station alive. Absolutely. And so every person that answers either our email or answers our phone call will get that talk. And they can get it by calling 877-526-2151. And just tell us how you heard about it because I really am excited about Myra's project because we want to have Virgin Most Powerful in every state in the union. Yep, and we're going to do it with your help. So answer the phone call, answer that email, and I look forward to getting your prayer and attention then. God love you. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. As I say, Mary will be back next Tuesday. I've been talking about the angels, your guardian angel, with Bishop Athanasius Snyder's latest book. But I also want to bring some practical aspects of living with your guardian angel and putting him to work. Because one of the things the angels are going to ask you to do is to live in the presence of God, because that's what they do. And I think it's beautiful to know that there are benefits in living in the presence of God with your guardian angel. Number one, and if this isn't important to you, then turn the dial. Number one, it preserves us from sin. Think about it. We're going to live in the presence of God, and this is the key. So it also increases our faith to live in the presence of God. It strengthens our hope. It perfects our love. And again, it brings us closer to our guardian angel by living in the presence of God. And I always remember what St. Alphonsus Liguori tells us. He said this, There's no more efficacious means of subduing the passions or resisting temptations and consequently avoiding sin than by the remembrance of the presence of God. A priest told me once, he heard the confession of a young boy who had stolen something, and he asked the boy, 
You did not steal it while anybody was watching, did you? To the little boy. <laughs> the priest, the, of course the, not, the father, of course not, father, answered the little boy. The priest replied, but do you not know that God and your guardian angel are always watching? See, this is why it's so important to collaborate with your guardian angel. He keeps you in the presence of God, and you're going to live a holy life that way. Well, the child's eyes grew large with this new insight, and so should ours. Saints who earnestly strove for sanctity would bravely reject the temptation to sin by the mere thought that God was present. Can that, isn't that a practical application of devotion to your guardian angels, to you, my listener? Think about that the next time mortal sin comes in. Matter of fact, you know what I always say to people when they call me and I get calls all day long about, oh, I have a hard time with um, pornography. I'm, I, put the Blessed Mother's image on your screen so that you can realize that she's there with you and our Lord is there with you. It helps you avoid sin. And think about this in the Bible, the book of Daniel, we read how the thought of God's presence gave Susanna the strength to resist the unlawful advances of her elders, even to the point of accepting death. She steadfastly refused to give in to their evil intentions, exclaiming, if I yield, it will be my death. But if I refuse, I cannot escape your power. Yet it is better for me not to do it and to fall into your power than to sin before the Lord. That's taken from the Old Testament. Now, I'm going to give some words to St. John Chrysostom. He says this, If we but consider that God is everywhere present, hears all things. This is one of the attributes of God. You don't hear that word too often anymore. Attribute of God. But he's all-knowing, right? So, he hears all things, sees all things, not only whatsoever is done and said, but also all that is in the heart and in the depth of the soul. For he is quick to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's taken from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. If we so dispose ourselves, we shall do or say or imagine anything that is evil. So you see, by living in the presence of God, it's the key that the angels work with us on. We can preserve ourselves from sin. Now, according to Brother Lawrence, great author of the 17th century classic on the subject, he says, the first benefit a person receives from practicing the presence of God, his saint says, is increase in faith. There's a simple reason for this. Brother Lawrence explains, the more we practice being aware of God's presence in our life, the more we will call out to him and obtain from him what we need. This becomes a virtuous cycle, being aware of God, asking for his help, experiencing his care for us, and then believing even more in his presence in our life. Think about this, everybody, when I say this to you. The times that you've sinned, think about it. Were you thinking of God at that time? You're going to say, no, of course not. I was thinking about myself. Well, that's what Brother Lawrence is saying. As our faith increases, as our faith in God increases, 
So does our ability to see beyond our failures and our weaknesses and those of others. We began to see in others the image of God and to see them as Christ's brothers and sisters for whom he shed his precious blood. That's how we're supposed to see our brothers and sisters. Can we do that? I hope so. And again, if you're saying, well, gosh, I've been away from the sacraments for a long time. I just don't get this. Well, turn the grace back onto your life by going to confession, making a good confession. Get back into the state of grace. If you're not living in the state of grace, then go to confession on a regular basis and live in that state. Because as Brother Lawrence says, as our faith increases, we also become more sensitive to the reality of sin as something that deeply offends God and brings great damage to our souls. You know why I say that? Because whatever happened to sin, Bishop Sheen talked about that. We all think we're immaculately conceived. And there's a reason at your parish there are very few people going to confession because they don't think they're sinners. You know why? Many of them haven't been taught about original sin. Many of the people in our churches think that we're all universally going to be saved because we're a nice guy. Well, Leo Jerosher, the coach of the Yankees, says nice guys finish last. And I agree with that position because you can't get to heaven just by being a nice guy. You've got to be living in the state of grace. And so we need the sacraments. And so that's why I encourage you, our listeners, are you going to Mass hopefully weekly, if not daily? Are you going to confession at least once a month? That's what I'm asking you to do because it's important. See, we're going to see the cross in our lives, as Luke chapter 9, 23 says, for what they really are. And this is something that suffering in our lives is not simply something painful and frustrating, but a gift from God for our purification and sanctification and a powerful means of being even closer to Christ. I got a call this morning early from back east, a man who listens to us. He's a monthly donor. And he says, I have um, Lou Gehrig's disease, meaning he muscled it, it's MLS. And he can't even get out of the chair. He can't move his hands, but he listens to our show. Well, he offers his suffering up for the sufferings of the church right now. He's a victim soul. And he told me a very insightful thing about Simon of Cyrene, who helped Jesus carry the cross. He said, if Simon Cyrene was five minutes later coming to where Jesus was passing by, he would have never helped Jesus carry the cross, and he would have never been sanctified. So he told me on the phone that he sees his illness as a means of salvation because he's playing a huge part in the mission of the church. And so can you! by offering your prayers and sufferings for the good of the church. As St. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, I fill up what is lacking in the good and the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church. So what's your message? Offer it all up to Jesus with, in union with Christ and ask your guardian angel for help. Because when we think frequently about God's perfections, that's what we're talking about with our guardian angel, we significantly deepen our awareness that he is almighty, loving, and always faithful. He'll never let us down. In this world, people always let us down. But God will never, ever let us down. When we are strengthened by his awareness, we will not become discouraged or despair in trials and suffering. 
Whether we will trust in God's providence and courageously resign ourselves to his holy will. This is what we have to do to fight the good fight in today's church. We have to be holy. Well, now, when the Empress Exodus threatened St. John Chrysostom from exile, check this out. It's a great story, but it should inspire you. The courageous patriarch gave her an answer driven by supernatural virtue of hope. What did they say? You would succeed in frightening me only if you could send me to a place where God is not. By that, he meant that God, who is almighty and all-loving, is everywhere. So wherever she might send him, God would be with him. And if God was with him, he would have nothing to fear. As St. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? I'll tell you a quick story of Father Zachariah Boutros, who's a Coptic priest, when he was 14 years old, his brother was murdered by Islamic terrorists and they slit his throat. He was with his brother. The Bible fell to the ground of his brother's Bible. He picked up the Bible. The terrorist said, you want to be next? And at age 14, Father Zechariah Butro, soon to be a priest later, said to those Muslim terrorists, you can't send me anywhere that God isn't. You see the courage he had? But he was living in the presence of God. And again, this whole hour, we're talking about guardian angels, angels. The angels live in the presence of God. They want to carry us. They want to help us get to heaven. But here's the problem. We have to cooperate with our guardian angel because God gave you free will to say no. The only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. And with your guardian angel... He's there, but he can't do much without your collaboration. So this whole hour has been what the Bible has to say about guardian angels and angels themselves. And when we come back, we'll talk more about how you can get closer to your guardian angel by therefore getting closer to God. Hey, I want to thank everybody. Uh, this is our second year for Virgin Most Powerful. Our anniversary week is right now, and we couldn't do it without you. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. We work you know, all the time trying to get people to heaven through Virgin Most Powerful by teaching them about Christ and his church. And again, that's our whole role. So when we come back, we'll finish up on the guardian angels and how your guardian angel helps you get to heaven. On the Bible with the Barbers, Mary will be back, God willing, next week. We'll be right back with our final segment. This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, VMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoramus Society. Adoramus at the Triduum, a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies, featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Carstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, the spirituality of Good Friday, and the spirituality of the Paschal Vigil and Easter season. It all takes place March 14, 2020, at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can register online at vmpr.org 
or call now at 877-526-2151 to reserve your seat today for Adoramus at the Triduum. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Actually, it's Terry Barber. Mary Danielle, my faithful bride, is under the weather. Please pray that she'll get better so next Tuesday we can be with you. This has been a special edition on the angels using Bishop Athanasius Snyder's latest book, who's a member of the Opus Angelorum. We're talking about... How can we get closer to our guardian angel? Because our spiritual struggle to live in God's presence, we must make an effort to know and to reverence God with our whole being. And this is why the saints have given us so many examples of living holy lives. I'm going to outline a spiritual combat plan, right? Uh, And I know that you know some of these things, but I hope we're going to summarize in this last segment what we should be doing to live a Christ-centered life. For example, making the morning offering, offering our day through the intercession of Mary, praying to make a morning offering is a favorite way to start off the day. And if you can't go to Mass and receive Holy Communion as, as possible, as soon as, you know, as often as possible. And um, I would also say uh, it's important to spend time in mental prayer. You know this, right? As a, as a follower of Christ, we need to have quiet time, whether it's in our home or before the Blessed Sacrament. I try to get to Mass an hour before Mass and daily, because then I can look at the readings, pray about it, really commune with the Lord. But 15 minutes at least, so that you can prepare mentally to realize the readings for the Mass, and also what you're going to be doing. You're going to be getting into a taste of heaven, because every Mass... Uh, we are present at that one eternal sacrifice of Christ. So just think about that. Also, praying the Angelus is very important during the day. Uh, I always think praying three Hail Marys is a very important thing to keep for purity. It's always been a good thing. Praying the Rosary. Remember what Our Lady said, souls are going to hell because there's no one there to pray and make sacrifices. So I want to encourage you, and I know you're doing this daily rosary, 
But make con- be conscious about who you're offering it for your family members, for the world peace. And then, as you know, on the Terry and Jesse show, we talk about the five stones of King David and spiritual reading, especially with the New Testament. The church grants partial indulgence for contemplating reading of Scripture for 15 minutes, right? After the Bible, there are many excellent choices for spiritual reading. I want to recommend Imitation of Christ, the Introduction of the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales and the Soul of the Apostle. These are great books for the spiritual life. And one more thing that we should be doing with our angel is making an examination of conscience at the end of the day. We humble ourselves into the presence of God and ask the Holy Spirit to help us acknowledge our defects and also count the virtues and recall the opportunities that we had today. We call them sins of omission, where I dropped the ball. I could have done something better. So I I say that because it's very, very important to live the examined life by an examination of conscience. And then again, we might forget Fridays, and if you're old school, Wednesdays, penance. You know, our Lord died on Good Friday, and the church has always required the faithful to do some kind of penance on Friday. Now, traditionally, the church asked Catholics to abstain from meat on Fridays. But, you know, it, it, it's not any longer required. You can do some other form of penance, like working with the poor, except during Lent. And that Lent will be coming up, so no, no meat during Lent. Some Catholics continue to abstain from meat all year round. But there are other little sacrifices that can be made. I always like saying, praying the Stations of the Cross or, you know, little things of saying no to yourself, not eating that extra cookie or dessert. And then, of course, going to monthly confession. Remember what St. John Paul II said, God is always the one who is principally offended by sin and God alone can forgive sin. Isn't that a beautiful statement by St. John Paul II? He does this through the ministry of the priests. Pope Benedict Emeritus recommended that Catholics also make a good confession once a month. And one of the best ways to grow in the spiritual life is to seek and follow spiritual guidance of a wise and prudent and knowledgeable priest. And I always say one that's suffered. If you want to go to get advice from somebody, Bishop Sheen always said that. Go to someone who's suffered. They give better advice. And then, of course, uh, I always recommend yearly yearly retreats. Once a year, take a weekend, go on an Ignatian spiritualized spiritual retreat, go to the Opus Angelorum for a four-day retreat, because retreats are in the same way that a yearly vacation is necessary for your body. A retreat of a few days or even a week each year is necessary for your soul. A yearly retreat spent in silence, talking only to God. This is a powerful way to be converted because we have to shut up and listen. And then, of course, I already said, living in the presence of God will bring you closer to God. Try always to please him in everything as a child pleases his loving father. Then have this attitude of gratitude. So important. Thank God consistently for all the graces he's given you. Thank the people around you who do things for you. Yes, please and thank you are important words. 
God sends his blessings through the meditation of other people and do all for the love of God. You see, every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. That's so important. So when the love of God is our reason for doing something, this is called having the purity of intention. Whenever you fall, make an immediate act of contrition. Make atonement for your sins and those of others. I always tell people, when you fall, I only have one question. Did you get up? I hope so. And keep the end in the view. You know, life is short. Eternity is forever. It is a simple but profound truth that everyone listening will die. Yeah, keep this truth before you and try to live as you would like to die. There's an old saying, the, the way the tree bends is the way it falls. Meditate often on the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. This is something that we, we have forgotten in the last 50, 60 years of meditating on the four last things. It's very important that we keep in mind that life is short and eternity is forever. And that's why I think it's important to study our faith daily. So if you're reading your Bible every day, critically important to stay an on-fire Catholic. Are you making your holy hours? Can you at least visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament when you pass a church? Tip your hat? Tip your Say a little prayer when you cross a church because of the Blessed Sacrament? We, as committed Catholics, have to show by example that we believe in the supernatural. That's what it comes down to. And the guardian angel is there to help you do just that, to help you reach heaven. And that's what our role here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio is. It's our second year now. We're going into our third year because of you. You've appreciated what we've tried to do, and that is to help you love Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And that's why I appreciate you, our listener, giving donations to us by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or calling 877-526-2151 to help us out continuing this work. And don't forget, all these conferences, like we had the Spiritual Warfare Conference over the weekend, it's fantastic. If you haven't, uh, if not a monthly donor, because you get free uh, recordings of those, if you still want to get copies of all the talks, all you got to do is call us at 877-526-2151 because these talks are a powerful message that you're in a battle for your soul. And that's what we're all about. It may be nice to just talk, you know, be politically correct, but we're not politically correct. We have a reality set in, and that is life is short and eternity is forever. Now, tomorrow, Jesse and myself are going to special edition with Cardinal Raymond Burke in regards to the catechism. And I hope and pray that everyone listening owns a catechism and a Bible. The Bible's important to have, and that catechism gives you answers to the basic questions of your life. And I think if we can encourage one thing today, would you do this for your New Year's resolution? Read your Bible every day and read your catechism every day. Be a high-information Catholic, not a low-information Catholic. One of the things I've seen over 40 years is so many Catholics know nothing about their Catholic faith. My heart goes out to those people because they're lost. And they're like without a shepherd. 
And so I want to encourage you to turn those friends over to Jesus through the Blessed Sacrament. Invite someone back to Mass. Invite them to go to confession with you. Because sometimes that's all it takes is an invite. I had my grandfather, who was a Protestant for most of his life, and like three years before he died, one of the priests at the parish asked him, hey, you've been going to Mass for decades. You, you know, are, why aren't you a Catholic? And you know what my grandfather said? Because nobody asked me to be a Catholic. Are you kidding me? <clears throat> Have we asked anybody to become a Catholic? Well, I think it's time to do that right now, even among the scandals of the church, because we have the fullness of the faith, the sacraments, the Eucharist. I've had a guy working on my yard who was from Russia, from Siberia, and he says, oh, no, I don't believe in anything. I just kind of go along. So I'm, I gave him Bishop Sheen's Life is Worth Living. I said, check this out, dude, because this is the meaning and purpose of life. You're not happy in this life. You told me because you don't have Jesus in your life and his bride, the church. And I think it's time for all of us to reach out to our brothers and sisters with a powerful message that Jesus Christ loves them and he died on the cross for them and that he wants them to get to heaven and he's given the sacraments to his church so that we can often use those sacraments, especially confession, the Holy Eucharist, which we call the source and summit of the Christian life. I want to encourage you to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ because it's contagious. Sometimes it's just your example that says to people, I want what you have. Well, what I have is Jesus Christ. And you should always have little pamphlets and things to share with people like I try to do everywhere I go, like, like I did the other day. Hey, I hear the music. That means we're at the end of the hour. Boy, that went fast. Next week, my wife will be back. Again, tomorrow, Jesse and I are going to have a special edition on Cardinal Burke regarding the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You might want to No, you need to listen to it. And tell your friends about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. That's how we grow on YouTube, Facebook, all these social media stuff. Get the word out. Because, you know, what we're teaching people, people need to know. And I'll leave you on this. What state should you be living in? Just like I do with Terry and Jesse. State of grace. And what state shouldn't you be living in? state of mortal sin. Here at Virgin Most Powerful, we want you to get to heaven. May God richly bless you, and next week my wife will be back with the Bible on the Barbers. God love you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.